Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. Listening to Fullbacks are people too. The fact. And here's your host, CJ Newman. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to Fullbacks are people too. The fact. want to get this episode of the fapped out to you guys as soon as possible this week because i have got to pack up all of my podcast equipment and ship it down to dallas because i'm heading there on friday gonna be meeting up with the real forno and uh, pftp and posse slash recliner qb to go see some uh, new japan pro wrestling while we're down there so i'm gonna bring the podcast equipment and we're gonna do live from bobby's house we're gonna do a uh, podcast and I think we're going to do a uh, double header and actually do uh, Tyler's podcast as well. So it should be interesting this week. I'm really looking forward to heading down there, just getting out of Maryland for a day and uh, just seeing the sights. And hopefully Bobby shows me a good time in Dallas and we can figure out what uh, what all is, this is the good sights down there. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't know a damn thing about Texas, to be honest with you. So hopefully I just have a good time. But uh, this week I got uh, Chad back on the show, uh, Chef Chad Wells. He's he's back to discuss football with me. Uh, we had a pretty good uh, lengthy interview, so I'm going to go ahead and give that to you now. Uh, without further ado, Chef Chad Wells. The staff is back for another edition, ladies and gentlemen, and I've got Chef Chad Wells back on the line with me. Chef, how the hell are you? Good, man. How are you? It's hot. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say I can't complain, but I was just out at Rita's trying to get an Italian ice, and God damn it, that line, it was so miserable being 97 degrees out. Oh, it was awful. I had to drive into Baltimore City for a little bit today, and um, the thing inside of my car said 106 when I got back in it. It's just awful. Just, Human, nasty. Uh, it's great to be in the air conditioner. As if driving through Baltimore City isn't awful enough. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. So pretty slow time right now in the NFL. Not going to lie. We're uh, we're kind of reaching for some news to talk about here. But uh, one of the major talking points right now that has been going on for the past week that I want to talk to you and get your opinion about is uh, Tyreek Hill. 
So Tyreek Hill, for those of you that live under a rock, is a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. He uh, is currently on sus- uh, suspension indefinitely by the team, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, from attending the training camp and offseason activities until his current situation is resolved, which, if you've also been living under a rock for this one, uh, he apparently was being accused of breaking his child's arm. Uh, police have done an investigation. They have found uh, inconclusive evidence as far as him and his girlfriend. So they uh, are putting this on hold for right now as far as the investigation is concerned. They're still trying to figure out who the hell broke his arm or if the kid did it by accident. Um, they don't know what's going on with the future of that. The NFL met with... Uh, with uh, Mr. Hill this past week, and they took eight hours of questioning for the man. So, what was discussed during that eight hours, I have no idea, but uh, Tyreek Hill apparently left the place not having a great look on his face. So, uh, what do you think they talked about, Chad? Um, they didn't talk about anything good. Uh, that, that's pretty clear. Um, I think that Tyreek Hill is a dirtball. I mean, I, I've said this even before on your show, that you know, he's got a long history of abusing women. Um, the woman he's with currently, he beat and choked her while she was pregnant before he was drafted into the NFL. Um, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, the NFL does have a policy where they can actually go back and punish you for things that happened before you were drafted. Um, I, I think in- they don't. That's why he was never punished for that. If he were to do something else beyond that, like what he's doing now, it can be added on as an aggregating circumstance. Um, I read an article on Bleacher Report today that said that they can actually um, go back and, and use their conduct policy pre-NFL draft if you um, if you get in trouble for the same thing or it's conducive of a pattern. Yeah, um, it would be an aggravating circumstance, but you have to do something else, not just the original crime. From what's, what's interesting here with this whole scenario this time is that evidently the girlfriend had said, had not made the report herself. And the report actually came from one of her friends that she got to report it for her and say that basically try to make it sound like it was a leak of this information. And it wasn't, um, the whole thing is really kind of fishy when it comes down to the story in general, but you know, bottom line is there's a child with a broken arm and it seems somehow, some way like his parents are involved. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It surely looks like it, especially given his history. Um, you know, you heard that we heard the leaked audio, the nasty, the nasty conversation between the two in the airport. It's not a good look. It doesn't look good. The Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's pretty damn conducive to at least one of them being guilty. That's that's what I believe too, and I think probably it's likely the guilty party is Tyreek. I mean, you know, I I don't have anything to back that up, but I just think it, it's starting to show a pattern. I think that the conversation, the way that that conversation went, that was recorded, definitely sounded like she was throwing an accusation at him. And when he uh, came about, actually, I was listening to um, to a, a podcast earlier today. It brought up a good point when um, Tyreek had brought up that uh, when it was brought up to Tyreek that the situation with the kid and how the kid fears him, um, Tyreek had responded, you better fear me too, bitch. Yeah. 
that is also a violation of the uh, policy, because if you remember last year, Jimmy Smith actually got suspended for four games for threatening his baby mama. Yeah, I do remember that. And, you know, if it's if it's against the rules, it's against the rules. And I'm sure that's something that they discussed today. Um, I think it's I think it's highly likely that he's going to be suspended to start the season. Um, that's just an opinion. Obviously, like I said, I don't have a lot to, to uh, base that off of as far as evidence is concerned. But I do believe that it's it looks more and more like he's going to start the season uh, with the suspension. I don't think he's going to start the season one to the suspension because the the activity with the police is not concluded yet. However, I do believe, and I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, he should be put on the commissioner's exempt list, which would mean that he can't attend any of the games, can't attend any of the practice, but he's still going to be paid. Until this is resolved, I don't understand why he's not on that list already. They've been mums the word at the well, headquarters. It's kind of been my understanding, though, that the police are done. They're not. They closed it uh, with no charges or anything. Was what I. That was the last I'd read about the actual incident. Now, but it sounds like the NFL is doing their own investigation now. So, it should, at the very least, there should be a commissioner exemplus application here. Well, I think if he's going to be going on to the commissioner's exemplus, that's something that we're going to see relatively soon. I think that that may have been even discussed today. I think it needs to be. And hell, today's Friday. Usually they dump that kind of news on the weekend here on a Friday just as a bad news dump. So I'm waiting. I'm keeping uh, all my sources up. Bleacher Report, Pro Football Talk. I'm I'm keeping a look on all that. Just see if there's anything popping up. I'm not sure it's going to happen this week. It's probably going to be more closer to training camp, maybe even the preseason. But uh it's it's not looking good for Tyreek, especially with all the evidence against him at the moment and his aggravating circumstances of the past from 2014 with Crystal Espinage. So at this point, I would not expect Patrick Mahomes to have his number one weapon on the field. And quite frankly, if he did everything that he did, he doesn't deserve to be on the field. You don't believe he should have been in an NFL roster. I, I kind of tend to agree with you because I don't believe that he should be in the NFL at all. I don't think he should have ever been drafted. I concur with that, and it's a uh, it's a big problem with the NFL nowadays that they're willing to take chances on certain people. Uh, this isn't the only time this has happened. Look at Joe Mixon from the Cincinnati Bengals. He had a bit of an issue before uh, being drafted, but he slid down quite a bit, and he was still selected by the Cincinnati Bengals. Go figure, a team that's willing to you know draft Vontez Perfect and shit like that. You know, I, I have a slightly different view of certain things. You know. I think that if a player has had has has made a mistake because you know let's face it they're young they're kids I think that if a player has made a mistake and they've had a consequence for their mistake before coming into the NFL or after going into the NFL then yeah let them see if they can right the wrong um, but when you're a player like him that had virtually no consequences if I recall he had like a just a quick slap on the wrist for what he did had to go to like anger management or something I think that's about the point where you got to say all right. Uh, this kid's going to do it again. And I think when he shows a pattern of behavior is where it's a, a tremendous problem. Yeah, it's it's certainly an issue right now. And it has been in the past. And it was forgiven because he was so damn good. And we, we can't take that away from him. He was a damn good wide receiver for the team. And he had great numbers last year and the year before. Um, but I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have to move on and try to, I don't know, make Sammy Watkins the next guy or whoever this guy they drafted in the second round is. 
Well, you know, he's a good enough quarterback, so I, I would think that if there's anybody who can take, uh, you know, any receiver and make him better, it's likely Patrick Mahomes. I mean, did he not take the NFL by storm last year? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of people knew that he was good, but I don't think anybody had the expectation of seeing a quarterback come out and do some of the things that he did. I mean, you and I witnessed firsthand what he was able to do from that Ravens game where they were at uh, Arrowhead Stadium with the no-look pass and just throwing dimes over across the field and just over people's heads. He's able. He's a dual-threat scrambling quarterback, too. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. I don't know how um, Mitch Trubisky was drafted before him. Yeah, Mahomes is just, he is just so calm and poised. His awareness is, is like another level. Yeah, I could agree with that. I wonder what his awareness rating is in Madden. 16. 16. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that. They don't need to. I'm going to leave it in anyway. So when are we going to get that motherfucker on the show? I have no idea. Um, I got to see him in order to do that. I haven't seen him in a long time. You know, when you're a master chef, it's... uh. You don't get to see people very often. Uh, isn't that the truth? God help us if he listens one day. Um, He's never going to listen. Yeah, I know. He doesn't listen to podcasts. Or believes in listening to AM radio in his minivan. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that, so let's move on. Um, next topic, man. We've, we've talked about Hill enough. We beat that into the ground. He doesn't deserve to be in the NFL, and hopefully he's put on the exemplus sometime soon or, or suspended for the entire year at the very least. Um, we are going to go a little bit homerish here. You want to talk about the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So recently, RG3 went on the Baltimore Ravens website and uh, did an interview with the team saying that the offense is going to surprise some people. The offense is uh, meant to expose mispatches, according to him. Well, no shit, Sherlock. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do when it comes to defenses against offenses. You're supposed to expose the mismatch and take the easy uh, completion and drill down the field so uh with that being said what are you expecting from the team this year as far as an offensive perspective you're going to see more passes or runs um i'm still going to say we're going to see more runs than anything else i mean we we know that passing is going to be a weak spot on the team um i think that they are going to exploit a few things um they're going to find a few holes uh, when it comes down to the passing game. And I think that's going to be uh, a lot of that's going to be credited to the receivers that they have at this point. They've got a lot of fast, shifty guys. Um, what's interesting is, you know, you could see last season that Lamar built chemistry with Willie Sneed. Um, I, I said going into the offseason that Willie Sneed was their number one person they needed to keep on that offense. Um, I think Sneed is going to play another big role with over the middle stuff. I think these tight ends are going to be very important again. Um, and then I, I I think that Hollywood Brown is going to make a big impact, but but you know that's that's really going to be a small part of the puzzle, uh, to or small pieces to a larger puzzle because I I fully think that they're going to do the same thing relying on the run. I think they're going to cram it down people's throats. Um, I think Mark Ingram is huge to this team, and I think we're going to see a lot more of an open playbook than we saw last season. I agree with that. Um, I still think that we're going to be incorporating the read option and the RPO into our system. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I couldn't see it happening any other way. I mean, when you have a quarterback that's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson with his legs, you'd be you'd be silly not to. Uh, you know, it still runs. 
you know, there's still a lot of question marks about, you know, his health when it comes down to this. I, I don't think that they can have him running as much as they did last year. I, I don't think it would be the smartest thing to do. Um, they're clearly going to have him run, but it just seems to me like he's at his best when he's kind of like using his legs on the fly, if that makes sense. But another thing I wanted to bring up with their offense, you know, you and I were talking earlier and you were kind of saying, what do you think an RG3 and uh, Lamar Jackson tandem is going to look like in Baltimore? I don't think we're going to see it. Um, I, I think a lot of what they're going to do, um, I think it's going to be similar to last year. Um, I don't think that RG3 is going to suit up in games where Lamar is healthy. I think that we're going to see, um, I think we're going to see uh, Taysom. I think that Taysom is going to be the guy at number two, only because I think that they're going to use McSorley similar to what they're, uh, or Trace McSorley, not Taysom. I think they're going to do with him what they were doing with, with uh, Taysom Hill in um, New Orleans. And I, and I don't know if you recall, we talked off after the draft and I was saying that they were, I thought they were going to do something like that. Um, I do think they're going to carry three quarterbacks this year. And I think that they're going to do that solely because of they like what they saw with uh, Taysom Hill. And McSorley is kind of a guy who can do that. He can use his legs. He's tough. He's big. Um, and I think we're going to see a little bit of that with, with them this year. And, you know, thinking th I was thinking this. Now I've been hearing, I heard a lot of reports um, on local radio around here that when they were at their mini camp, that that's exactly what they were doing with him. And I was also hearing that he's been returning punts, returning kick returns, and uh, he's just been very dynamic. They're putting him on special teams, so he's apparently a Swiss utility knife. Yeah, I mean, maybe if he's a guy that, you know, maybe they do suit up all three uh, in certain situations. You know, if he's a guy who can come in and make an impact as a kick returner, which is something that we've seen to uh, – We've kind of struggled with trying to find a kick returner in Baltimore. Um, they've had people that have shown flashes, but nobody's been that consistent. Uh, maybe if he's the guy who can come in and return kicks, then maybe that's what they do with him. And then they also have that uh, utility weapon on the field um, when, you know, as a third quarterback suited up. Yeah. So when I posed the uh, Jackson RG3 tandem, that, that wasn't what I was intending. I wasn't saying like, oh, we're going to have trick packages and whatnot. I meant in the case break glass of emergency Jackson goes down RG3 comes on the field those two are very similar in style what type of offense best fits these two and probably Trace McSorley so are we looking at a, a college read option style offense are we looking at west coast with a little bit of read option uh, we thinking maybe the San Francisco 49ers version from back in 2012 where Colin Kaepernick was running it what, what do you think it would be the best uh, style of offense for them? Air raid? I'm, Shit, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of, like, a similar offense to what Philly did when they had Michael Vick um, the, first, the first year when he came in halfway through the season. Um, you know, that was a, a Greg Roman offense. But I think it'll look a little bit more um, – like San Francisco, if you recall, San Francisco was really fast that year. They ran a lot, and their defense was pretty filthy. Um, so I think we're going to see more of that. I think it's all – it's this entire offense needs to be predicated upon time of possession and uh, letting the defense do their job. Don't disagree. So with that being said, uh, the fullback didn't really play too much of a uh, – uh, a game last year he he was uh it was patrick ricard is the name of the guy there were some issues last year that uh kept him off the field he was healthy scratch at this point i mean i know the name of the damn show is fullbacks are people too but 
do we need a fullback on this roster? I don't think so. Um, I think they if they have some pretty uh, strong blocking tight ends. They have running backs that are bruisers that uh, can serve serve as, in a fullback role if it's necessary. Um, you know, I, I don't really feel that it's necessary at this point. Uh, how do you feel? Well, the only reason I would keep a fullback on the field is if they were doing strong eye. And how often do you, or even a weak eye, how often do you see them do an eye formation on the field? You don't ever see Lamar Jackson being under center. He's often in the pistol or in the shotgun. Yeah, I agree. And that's another another reason why I don't think we need one. Um, if, they, you know, it, if they ever put him out there, as far as a fullback is concerned, it's often replaced uh, in a flanking position with a tight end, like uh, Nick Boyle or something like that. They just flank him out. Yeah, and they they are keep they did resign Boyle, and it may have a lot to do with that. Yeah. So as of right now, Patrick Ricard is on the roster, but if I had to take a guess, man, I, I would think we're gonna roll with four tight ends and no fullbacks at this point. Yeah, and I think that's probably a better scenario for Lamar Jackson as well. Yeah, I kind of just I, I miss some of our old fullback. We've been very spoiled at fullback position in Baltimore. Yeah, Vonta Leach. Yeah. Ron McLean, the juice. Yep. Those are all great names. I got to be the only guy that actually bought a Kyle Hughes check jersey. Yeah, it's well worth it, though. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm uh, I'm going to get rid of that because, A, it's way too big, and, B, the guy's not here anymore. He was only here for four or five years. <laughs> what size is that jersey, CJ? 3XL. And what size is your current jersey? Large. Congratulations. Thank you. I've come a long way, would you say? Uh, you know, maybe. Just just a smidge. You're still I mean, you're still a dick. I mean <laughs> that hasn't changed. Ain't that the truth? That's why I'm yeah, on you are, you are what you eat. Teams with that's why I'm on this podcast shitting on teams with you. <laughs> and fuck you, I just got that. Fuck you. <laughs> hey. Hey, just so everybody knows, we're having a weird issue with skype so if like there's like weird pause breaks and shit and we're not kind of talking at the same time that's why for some reason if c if cj is talking and i speak it mutes us so we're trying our best to uh to speak individually which i know is not as fun but uh you know we can still call each other dicks one at a time instead of in unison you're a dick scott no you're a dick (laughs) i gotta love south park so um, moving on with that in mind, the fullback is not really a big deal. So I'm we didn't do much for this offensive line, man. We drafted one guard and he's not even doing well in training camp, man. I'm I'm still concerned at center. I don't know how the hell this team didn't think about looking at a center in the offseason or trading or something. It's. I mean, it's still early, but uh, we need another guy on this roster. Yeah, they they're going to have to make a move somewhere on the offensive line. Um, you know, I, I've also read that Lewis is was fucking horrible in minicamp. Um, and he wasn't very good last year. I mean, it's pretty sad when you kind of lose your job to Hayden Hurst or to, um, to James Hurst, who is horrible. Um, but Hurst was, Hurst was a better option in my opinion than, uh, than Lewis was last year. So, um, I, I think it's going to look a lot like it did last year. Unfortunately, I mean, I think they're shored up at some spots, but I think the biggest the biggest issue is center. I think center is is hope. Hopefully, we don't have to see Matt Skura again. Um, he was just not good. Uh, he's soft. 
Uh, he's not good in the run. He's not good in the pass. Um, he falls. I don't think he's very physical. He's definitely not fast. Um, I, it doesn't really leave you a lot of pros with that list of cons. Yeah, and there's an open competition right now for the left guard position. As you said, Alex Lewis is competing in there. Uh, James Hurst is competing in there. So I'm curious. Eh, this new guy that we drafted is also competing in there. I'm curious how it's going to happen. Uh, what's what's going to come about of it? And maybe um, maybe we can see one of the other starters flanking out to left guard or center. I don't know. I've always been curious, but Yonda has done everything on the right side of the line. Can you do center? I mean, there's got to be a reason why they haven't put him there. Um, maybe it's just because he's too much of an anchor in the guard and tackle positions. I mean, I think that he, uh, you know, he might be slowing down a little bit, but in his time, he's definitely one of the uh, best uh, offensive linemen in the game, especially when it comes to tough and nastiness. Um, you know, we've watched him play through injuries. We've been very, very fortunate to have a guy like him uh, in Baltimore. I think now um, with him, I think that they are kind of letting him do what he wants to do. I think if this were a younger Marshall Yonda, maybe we would see some experimentation with that. But I don't think that they, you know, he's he's at an age where he could easily retire. I think it would be pretty wise for the coaches to just kind of let him do what he's comfortable doing uh, and, and continue doing it well. Because the last thing you'd want to have is him to go to center, not be comfortable, have to put more damage on his body and either get hurt or turn around and say, hey, I'm not for this anymore. Uh, I'm gone. And we don't we definitely don't want that to happen because he's a critical piece right now. I concur with that. And just thinking about this, this scares me. Do you know who the backup center is? Oh God, no! <laughs> it's is it Illuminor? No, it's not. Just imagine Matt Skura gets injured, and all of a sudden trotting out somebody named Boozman. Oh God, Bradley Boozman. Yeah, yeah. He he played last year. He did. He played left guard for a little bit. It, it was a rotating left guard position, and it was kind of frustrating to see that. But um, honestly, well, if I had to pick a left guard right now with everybody on the roster that we have, I hate to fucking say this. James Hurst is a much better guard than he is a tackle. I would put him in. James Hurst is good in run uh, run blocking. He was decent last year. But you know what? I think Lamar being such a threat to take off and run has made the O-line better. Because it did. It seems like if you rush too much at Lamar Jackson, he's going to take off, and the O-line at that point is kind of irrelevant because once he's gone, he's gone. Yep. You know, but it, I have to agree that Hurst is probably going to be the person at left guard. Um, I read that in minicamp they were rotating centers. Um, I don't know if that's something that they intend to actually try to do. Uh, there's clearly a competition in that position, but what I read though is that they were high on Powers playing center, the the guy that they dra- the guard that they drafted. Have you did you see anything about that? I did not, but I'm all for it if he's actually able to do it. See, a big thing about being a center, it's you got to be the smartest guy on the roster to play uh, center because you're not only just blocking, you got to snap the ball and then immediately get back up and start blocking. So it's it's two solid motions in a matter of milliseconds that you have to do so you really have to and you're the guy who's typically calling the mic because our rookie quarterback isn't going to do that so you got to be the smartest guy out there and well i i think i've been a believer in this in a lot for a long time i mean obviously physical skill um 
plays a huge role in any position in the NFL. But I've been a big believer for a long time that continuity on an offensive line is arguably almost as important. And I think that if they start trying to do too much and move too many things around, they could end up with a lot of problems just from people not getting comfortable with the communication with the, with their position. Um, and I, I think with communication being such a key factor, and it's almost like unspoken communication on the O-line, if they start trying to pull some cute shit with rotations and all this kind of kind of shit, they could end up in a big problem. And that, that's something I definitely don't want to see happen. Yeah, it's definitely something where they need to gel as a team. It's not like the defensive line where you could just rotate people out like tires. You've got to have continuity and you got to have a gelling sensation for the team's offensive line. Speaking speaking of the de- the defense, where's the pass rush going to come from? Well, we still got Matt Judon. Um, we have a bunch of other nobodies. McPhee. You know, McPhee came back, so maybe Ray. if we rotate him in and out, he'll be what he was in 2012. <laughs> maybe. Uh, we got to pray that Bowser and uh, the other guy do pretty decent. And Williams. Yeah. I'm... I'm not hopeful with either one of them. I was just about to say that. I'm. Uh, I was very happy with the pick for uh, Tim Williams out of college because in college he was fucking nasty. He had really high numbers, and I was I was pretty stoked that we got him. But he's been a disappointment to this team. He's he's a one trick pony. He just he's got a little spin juke move, and if he doesn't get in on it, he's not getting anywhere. Yeah, I I can agree with that 100. percent I just. I think we're going to have to get more pressure up the middle, to be honest with you, if we, if we are going to get any pressure at all. Maybe some blitzes that are designed to have the inside linebackers do it, too. You know what? I, we're definitely a team right now. The Baltimore Ravens are built for coverage sacks. And it's interesting. There's an article that on uh, Pro Football Focus that I read um, that's about how uh, all these teams have put for years and years and years um, a lot of their emphasis on pass rush. And the teams that have strong secondaries uh, have better defenses than teams with a strong pass rush and a mediocre secondary. Even when you go and you look at teams like the Patriots, when the Patriots were um, when the Patriots were asterisks undefeated, um, their defense, they didn't have great pass rush. They were all about coverage. And, you know, if we put people on the field that can cover uh, three layers of the field, um, and I think that's what they're trying to do, we can make the pass rush better in that respect because they're going to have to hold uh, – the quarterback is going to have to take more time to be able to find an open man, which will break down the offensive line. I agree with you on that. Um, we have, quite frankly, we're at the opposite position as we were a couple years ago. We had a killer pass rush, but we had mediocre fucking corners because everybody kept getting injured. I mean, you got to think our top two corners back then were Jimmy Smith and Ladarius Webb, and Ladarius Webb tore his ACL one year. The next year, Jimmy Smith had issues with his back or something like that, and he's, it was inconsistent. So we uh, had the shit secondary, but now we've got probably the best damn four guys in the backfield. And uh, we got nobody to rush the quarterback. I mean, I, I honestly, man, I think that the stuff they were dialing up last year, because we really didn't have anybody to get to the quarterback last year either, if you really realistically go and look at it, um, they made it work. You know, they made they made it happen. The defense was, was vicious in many games. Um, I think it's all just going to be come down to scheming. 
And, and you know, we can see what Martindale could do uh, with scheming here. But that secondary, on paper, if if they can produce like they look like they can, they're get to the quarterback or not, you're going to have a real hard time putting the ball down the field on the Baltimore Ravens this year. I concur with that statement. It's a uh, Earl Thomas coming onto the field means that we finally have a uh, roaming free safety as opposed to Tony Jefferson playing in the backfield. So Tony Jefferson can get closer to the line of scrimmage and start doing the uh, little bit of coverage, a little bit of sacks, a little bit of blitzing, and uh, just be the strong safety that he needs to be. He's very good in run support, too, and that's something that we've not seen a lot of with him in Baltimore with them putting him at the free safety position. Yeah, he definitely needs to be at the strong safety position. It's his natural fit. It's what he was doing in his last gig. So he needs to be put back there. And I think we, uh, we're going to run a lot of nickel this year. We're going to have a lot of uh, Tavon Young on the field. So uh, with that said, I think secondary is going to be relied upon very much so. And it's going to take a lot of this team's effort to try to even get any pressure. It's, it's got to come up the middle at this point. If it's Yeah. And I think that's what they're gonna. That's what they're aiming to do. Um, I think that you know McPhee, if he's rotated in and out and used as a situational player and not an every down back, I think he's still got a lot left and he can help to the production of uh, the sack production. Um, I think the same thing with Ray too. Um, I think Ray could end up being you know he's kind of a wild card, but I think that he can get to the quarterback uh, if he's utilized properly. But neither one of these guys are guys that they can put in there with every single down. And neither one of these guys are guaranteed to make the roster either. That's true. I, I, I really don't see a world where McPhee doesn't make the roster or Ray doesn't make the roster. I mean, Ray is still at least kind of young, too. He is, and he's a former first-round pick. Um, he got buried, though, in the in the, the world of uh, Denver because they had just picked up uh, the bookends uh, with Von Miller and I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but... He got buried on the death. He was injured for a little bit, and he didn't really have a chance to flourish. So he's going to have a uh, shot in the preseason here. If he's able to do it, then he's going to make the roster. We'll see. Yep. It's open competition as far as the defense is concerned at every position. If uh, Maybe not secondary, but every one of those front seven positions. Okay, maybe not the defensive tackle and the uh, defensive end. But uh, yeah, most of the positions are open. What are you going to do with Pierce? I forgot about Pierce's fat ass. Um, he's got to, uh, the motherfucker's got to start losing some weight. He's got to start doing some cardio. I think he's going to be ready. I I would hope he's ready. Um, you know, he they said that he was 40 to 60 pounds overweight. They, that's not a little bit. I mean, he was like half of a teenager overweight. So um, I think that that is something that they're definitely going to have to pay attention to. It's, it, it's shocking to me that he came into camp like that in a fucking contract year. I mean, he's, he, he has potential to get paid, to get paid, not just a little bit of money, you know. So, to me, it's very, very, very surprising that he came in like that, that his agent would let him come in like that. It's not a shock to me at all that they sent him home. And I'm actually kind of glad to hear that they did. But I I don't know that with being that overweight that he's going to be ready to go by the time that they get into uh they get into training camp. Shit, pay me to be a certain weight that is absolutely sustainable and see what happens. Shit, I'll be well. He didn't. He didn't do it. He's getting paid to be at a certain weight, and he didn't do it. I know. That's what I'm. I'm saying I'm a different person. Do that to me and see what happens. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just shocking. I can't imagine a guy that's already his size being 40 to 60 pounds heavier. I mean, I heard from people that saw it. I heard from people that saw it that you could see from across the field that he was giant. Yeah, and he lied about his weight on paper, too, when he was coming back into camp. He had to list what his weight was, and he lied about that. What an absolute idiot. Yeah, it's it's getting bad. Uh, he is in a contract year. He's currently slated as our, uh, in a 3-4 defense, he's our nose tackle. But if he doesn't get his shit under control, hey, you got to figure, he's got four weeks to go down 40 to 60 pounds. Yeah, that's that's a lot, man. That's a lot. He's going to be in a sauna a lot. He's going to be eating nothing but salads. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I lost a lot of weight, but it took me fucking three years. Well, with him, though, they said that he was spent his offseason, and I don't really buy this. At least he did take responsibility for it, but they were saying that he spent his offseason working on his strength and not his conditioning, which I think is a really, really stupid move. Um, you know, when you're that big, you have to work on cardio, uh, fat-burning exercise, not just muscle-building exercise. And uh, evidently, that's what he's saying he did. He didn't spend enough time running and spent more time lifting weights. Um, I don't know. I think he spent a lot of time eating. If there's one thing I've learned in the past couple weeks, and thank you, Bray Wyatt, for this, do the muscle man dance. <laughs> uh, like three people are going to get that out there. But, um, yeah, Michael Pierce is, is going to be a big uh, question mark. So you got to think, do we have depth at the defensive tackle position? They always have depth at the defensive tackle position. When do they not? It seems like they could throw a wide receiver there in Baltimore and he would do a good job. As long as we keep rotating is our thing. We, we've just churned out a lot of good players, but as soon as they leave the Baltimore Ravens scheme, they suck elsewhere. Very true. So we're going to see what happens with that. I like uh, Brandon Williams, I think, is probably the best player that we have on our roster right now as far as defense is concerned, especially in the front seven. So that fat son of a bitch, he comes in, he's ready to maul people. He's ready to stop the run. He's ready to fucking try to get after the quarterback. I hope that uh, he has another great year. He's already been paid. So let's just see him maintain that. Is a uh, in-shape Pierce better than him? Better? I mean, it's two different positions. Although, I mean, he's playing defensive end. So he's, uh, and then he got nose tackle. We they've moved them nose tackle right. They've moved them around last year a lot, and they were they were doing a lot of strange stuff with the two of them. But it seems like they kind of use them both to be space eaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what you want your uh, your defensive line players to be is three hundred and some odd pound space guys. Well, I I feel like players that make an impact on that D-line, it seems to me like Pierce, when he is in shape, does a better job at that. He gets the quarterback, he swallows the runner. Um, you know, it's very hard to get in the second to get in the second level past him. You know, another thing I got to consider is uh, the inside linebacking position. That's my biggest fear on defense right now. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I was really, really hoping they would go after that um, middle linebacker from the Redskins uh, that they had let go, and they didn't make a move at it. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really believe that the loss of C.J. Mosley is the biggest loss in the world, but I think for the Baltimore Ravens right now, it hurts 
them. Um, he was a liability in coverage, but he was probably one of the most sure tacklers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the young kids, like Peanut, that we have out there and uh, Young, I think both of those guys are likely better in coverage than C.J. Mosley was. Both of them play faster than him, but I think we're going to run into some issues when it comes down to stopping the run and uh, some ta- and making those tackles. Yeah, it's it's certainly an issue for sure. I mean, he was the only sure shot guy that we had. I, I could have swore we were going to re-sign him. I, I thought we were going to throw the money at him, but the Jets just, damn, they came in and threw so much money. I could not see this team. If I would be pissed off if the Ravens threw as much money at C.J. Mosley as the Jets did. I mean, that's that's kind of what they just did to Brandon Williams. I mean, I, I think that they're trying to get themselves in a position to where going into next season and the following, that they have a monster uh, cap number. I think if they go in and they have a lot of cap space, I think they're trying to take advantage of having, you know, their number one receiver, their quarterback, not having to be paid right now. Yep. It's it, – we're a very young team right now. We we got very young just by dropping a few players. Very, very much so. All right, uh – I mean, the only other thing I can really talk about is how uh, Zeus Jr. seems to think that he's uh, in a much better shape right now and he's ready to play this year at right tackle. Um, To be honest with you, this is just my delusion of grandeur. I think at some point we're going to let Ronnie Stanley walk and we're going to move him over to left tackle. I actually couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think Ronnie Stanley, like, like you had said, uh, before they drafted him, he's soft. Um, he's soft. You know, he can he can hold it down, uh, but he's he's not the guy. They need somebody that's tough on the O line, and I think that that's like one of the most important physical components and mental components is just toughness. And I, and I don't think he's nasty. I don't think he's tough. Uh, he's missed a lot of time. Um, but he's the best option to have right now. Is he better than Eugene Monroe? Yes. Okay. I think that's fair. All right. So, uh, moving on. Not exactly breaking news here, bud, but uh, the L.A. Chargers, it's it's still taking me a while to get that together. The L.A. Chargers are reverting back to their classic powder blue uniforms as their primary slash home design this year. What do you think of those uh, uniforms? Did you like those? I, I dig them, man. I've always thought they were a very good-looking uniform. I'm not even a blue guy, but damn it, that just pops out to me, and I think it's a good-looking uniform. Yeah, I agree completely. What what uniforms right now do you like? I'm all for a lot of these uh, alternate jerseys that are blackout material. Like, our team has a blackout one. Um, Philadelphia has a black one. Uh, Atlanta has a black one. I'm all for those. Uh, I also am a big fan of the... LA Rams current alternate jersey, which is their throwback. I actually was going to say that might be my favorite throwback jersey in the NFL. Yeah, I, I, I like that very much. The uh, yellow and the blue is a good combination. Um, shit. Good question. You know, I had this on the format and you would think I'd be ready for this. What are the what other ones do you like? Um, I, I really dig the I like the Ravens, you know, I'm obviously going to wear a Ravens jersey when, you know, being a fan, but I really like their color rush that, um, what is it called? The, the vapor rush. 
that they have, the one that's like the purple with the gold. Yes. The purple with the gold numbers. I really dig that one a lot. Um, if I were to look at a jersey in the NFL that's just a standard run-of-the-mill jersey that I like, I like the Saints, uh, the black Saints jerseys. I really like when teams black out. I like the blackout stuff, the darker colors. I'm sure the players absolutely hate it. Um, but I do like some of the like crazy throwback ones, but I'm kind of a loud person, so I like loud colors. Like I like when uh, Chicago or Denver – I uh, have those crazy ass like striped socks and like you look like you're going to get hypnotized if you stare at it too long when they're running down the field. I like some of those. The ones I don't like though, Bumblebee are the ones that are so bright that they fuck your screen up. How about the Bumblebee? Yeah, that's just ridiculous. You should be ashamed for making your team wear that, but they're the Steelers, so fuck them. You know, they haven't done it in a couple years. I think they only did it for that one year and they just quietly got away from that. I want to say that I read they had to do it for two seasons or something. They had like two years where they wore it and then they just got rid of it, which thank God, man, that would have sucked to have to wear that. Dude, when kickoff happens, it's like a swarm of bees coming down the field. It's just nasty. (laughs) God, I fucking hate that jersey. It's just it's disgusting. Honestly, and I may be in the minority. I like the new New York Jets jerseys. I don't know that I've seen them yet. Are they just bright green? They're pretty bright green, yeah, and they have a uh, alternate black one now, too. Yeah, I'll probably dig the black one. Yeah. Um, I, I never really had a problem with those. Um, I think New York has a good alternate. It's uh, all red. Do you know who has a really, really unique uniform and a very unique helmet? Jack Cleveland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland, uh, if I'm not mistaken, are going to reveal new uniforms again in the near future. So it's going to be the exact same thing again? Probably. I think. uh, (laughs) Have you heard about what Cleveland has done with their helmets? No. They took the stripe off of them. You know, the stripe. Uh, Oh, and you have to to earn your stripe? Yes. They did that. That was a uh, Hugh Jackson thing. Yeah, they're still doing it with uh, that guy that we don't know. Freddy Kitchens. Oh, yeah. I don't know who the hell he is. What's his name? Michael Sautépan? Got me, man. Johnny Microwave? (laughs) Something to do with, uh, uh, yeah, cooking and whatnot. Freddy Food Truck? Yeah, that's him. Cart. (laughs) Yeah, uh... I saw a meme that was... I saw a meme and it said it was like Browns reveal new helmet, and it was a picture of a Browns helmet. I mean, on the side had a picture of a Browns helmet on it. That's ridiculous. Um, I actually like the uh, color rush for the Carolina Panthers. It's a really nice baby blue. Yeah, that's that's cool. I honestly I liked a lot of the color rush. I thought some of them were just too like the Seattle one. Oh, like it just green. Ugh. it just burns your fucking eyes when you saw it. I think Denver had a really bad one a few years ago too. That was like fluorescent orange, like pants and jersey. Yeah. Did you hear that there was actually a really big uproar from the colorblind community when the Bills and the Jets went at each other because one side was green and one side was red completely all over? Yeah, I mean, you can't really blame them, though. And you, if you can't watch the fucking game because the colors are just blurs and everything looks like the same team. Yeah, the colorblind community could not. Apparently, you can't tell the two apart, green and red. I I don't know anything about being colorblind. Hopefully, I never do. But um, that ju- they had an uproar about it, and they were like, "What the hell is this?" And I'm just sitting there looking at it, like, "Man, it's Christmas time. What the hell?" 
Oh, and then there, there was the game. It was the Rams versus the Bucks, and the Rams uh, color rush jersey was all yellow, and then the Bucks was all red. So it was like ketchup versus mustard. Didn't the Rams have a bright yellow and blue one too? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, good God, man. It's mustard. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. It's not as bad as when we had gold pants in Baltimore, though. Yeah, what the fuck was that even for? That was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. They never did it again. Thank God. Yeah. So, uh, what's what's the worst looking jersey right now? Oh, the worst. Um... I mean, there's none of them that I think are, like, offensive. You know what I mean? I, I, maybe the Washington Redskins? I mean, they're offensive for every reason, but, I mean, the jersey, I mean, it, it's kind of just kind of ugly, I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't really know what jersey is the ugliest. What do you think? I'm not a fan of the Jaguars jersey. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It's just, it, there's too many colors to it, and I I have a hard time keeping up with it. I didn't even they just changed again like last year if i'm not mistaken so it's really hard to keep up i know they changed their helmet it used to be a two-tone helmet when uh it was it was it was black and gold the front yeah it was that like matte it was like black matte finish too they're like faded to that gold and the gold was shiny yeah speaking of helmets what do you think about this rule that you can only have one helmet every year and you can't have an alternate helmet you can only use the one I I don't know, man. I, I think I don't know why they do that. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think if you're wearing an alternate uniform, you should be able to wear an alternate helmet. I agree with that, and that's why you can't see like the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wearing their creamsicle uniforms anymore because they can't have that uh, gay pirate on there anymore. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I think that the Tampa Bay. Who do you? You know, this is a little off topic, but speaking of the Buccaneers, and I, I don't. I don't necessarily lump them in this category, but who do you think is, uh, what teams do you think, who do you think is going to be the number one draft pick after this season? Miami. I I might agree with that. You know, I I got another thought though, man. I think it might be Cincinnati. The thing is, I don't, what I really don't understand is they have the talent. They really, not really. They, they've got great wide receivers too. One of them's hurt all the time. Yeah, um, they have the best fucking backfield in the AFC North. Well, with Bernard, who's hurt all the time. And Joe Mixon, who's... Joe Mixon's good, but he was hurt. What, he missed like four games last year? I don't think he... Did he miss any? I'm pretty sure he did. Well, I'll have to look into that. I really don't care, but... Um, defense is pretty solid as far as the front seven. I I think they've lost... Um, That's all they have, though. Pac-Man's gone. He retired. Uh, don't really know any of the guys in the safety positions. They might have the worst. They might have the worst O line in football. It's a good possibility. Their quarterback is terrible. Didn't they trade with the Buffalo Bills for their left tackle? I don't, I don't know. It's irrelevant to me. Yeah, Andrew something or other. He uh, was supposedly one of the better tackles in the NFL, but that team just cannot keep it up together. Yeah, I think Miami's going to be really bad. I think the Giants are going to be relatively bad again. Um, I, and is it a stretch to say that they could be the Raiders could be in that conversation too? I and mean, they made some pretty good moves, but uh, is Gruden going to put them together? 
I feel like my gut's telling me eight and eight for the Raiders. Uh, no, no. You think? I, I think so, because they have made some good moves this offseason, and they made moves that were a little controversial, but good for the team, such as bringing in Richie Incognito, who's actually a pretty damn good left guard. I agree there. I think he's a piece of shit and shouldn't be in the NFL, but if he's going to be in the NFL, then at least be a good guard. Um, they drafted three people in the first round, so got to have some talent there. At least one of them's got to be a gem. Yeah, I mean, you would hope. One would hope, but, you know, we saw what Gruden did last year, and, and you know, I, I was kind of a fan of him as a commentator, but hearing him now, I'm just a little bit like, fuck you, man. Like, that's kind of how I feel about him at this point, you know. I, I'm I'm not sure that he's a good coach. The quote of the year last year was a couple weeks into the season where he said, good pass rushers are hard to find. Oh, I know. No shit, John. Why'd you trade your best one? No, not your best one. One of the best ones. Yeah, I mean, that's a transcendent talent. Khalil Mack is fucking amazing. Yep. And he literally transformed the Bears. That one piece put them so over the top. I was a little worried about him going from a uh, 4-3 to a 3-4, but he's doing damn well as an outside linebacker. Uh, he's a fucking animal, dude. Yeah. He's transcendent. He's, he's able to do everything. That is very true. So what's up next on the agenda, Mr. CJ? Oh, want to talk about Mexico? Sure. All right. So we're building a wall. And, uh, nah, kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's not do that. I don't want to do that at all. According to a report uh, by the Spanish uh, website AS.com, the country of Mexico does not have the funds to provide another football game after the season. So uh, I don't know if you remember this from last season, though. The Chiefs and the Rams were due to face each other in Mexico, but that game got pulled due to horrific conditions on the field prior to play. So the game got moved back to the L.A. Coliseum and posed as a real home game for the Rams, if that's actually a thing you know because there's no such thing as rams fan so um <laughs> there is now what are your thoughts on uh mexico being a neutral game site and what do you think about neutral game sites in general during the regular season i think if we're gonna have them if we're gonna have them mexico makes a hell of a lot more sense than england um closer. yeah it's a hell of a lot closer um i think that they their fans clearly pack the place when they can't when they do play um i mean if, if the fields are torn up and they can't economically make it work they don't do it you know and, and it doesn't hurt me any and it doesn't hurt anybody else if they don't do it and you know quite frankly it just in today's political climate i'm surprised that they want uh something that holds up so much of the american economy going over there anyway yeah, I'm a little shocked by that, too. I mean, you would think you would try on cities like, I don't know, fucking Oklahoma, see if they can host the team, you know? Um, it, it, it just bothered me. They, they tried that. Remember the uh, Toronto series? The, for the yeah, the Bills. Yeah. They couldn't fill the stadium anymore. I mean, the first couple of years, it was all right, but... Yeah, but look who it was. Yeah. 
I mean, like, if you send over two powerhouse teams to play a game or, like, a good-ass, you know, a really good game, people are going to pack the house. And I think they'll do that pretty much globally. I mean, you're not going to fucking send two teams to Rwanda or something and expect it to be a packed house. But, I mean, like, you know, you send them over, you send them to Canada, Mexico, someplace close. I mean, people are going to show for a good for a good game. I agree. So, um, with that said, I was just thinking about uh, shit when I was a kid. Uh, the Dolphins came up here when we didn't have a team in Baltimore. Uh, they used the Memorial Stadium as a preseason game site just to prove, hey, we can fill this house and we can get people from Baltimore to make this a thing. Just give us a team. So we should really be reaching out to other cities in the United States for that kind of reason. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they're going to expand the NFL again, though. That's the thing. Um, you know, and that's why I feel like they're I, I think that moving, you know, putting um, games in neutral sites in other United States cities doesn't grow the NFL. I think moving doing neutral sites in other countries expands the market. Uh, and I think expanding the market is what they're ultimately looking for. And then on top of that, they could then get the opportunity to expand the NFL as far as teams and put people over there, which is something I think is, is very far away and very unlikely to happen. But expanding the markets is more important to them because that's where they're generating all the money. But they took our jerbs. <laughs> so if anything is going to happen as far as outside of the United States the only thing I could possibly think of, it's got to be a relocation, and it would be the Jaguars to London. It's something that's possible. I mean, I think it would piss a lot of owners off if they had to travel to London. Dude, I don't want to get up at fucking 8 o'clock in the morning to watch a 9 o'clock game. Dude, I, I fucking fish, CJ. I'm up at ass o'clock in the morning every day anyway. I kind of like getting up early to watch football, but that's just me. Gives me more nap time before the primetime game. Well, I, I'm an IT guy that stays up all night uh, who gets to bed like an hour before that that fucking clock goes off for the game. So, fuck that. I think they need to stick to the United States, god damn it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care either way. I mean, I just think it's... I don't like taking teams away and putting them in these quote-unquote neutral sites. I think it's kind of silly to say that you're in somewhere else and now you're a home team. I think I'm just... You know, to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They don't give a shit about the fans or what the fans have to say about it. They just want our money. Um, you know, if they're going to put some games over there, so be it. As long as they don't start putting fucking soccer games over here. I'm totally good with it. Yeah. Who the hell wants to watch a soccer game? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, with that said, man, I, I was just thinking about this condition uh, last year with the uh, Mexican stadium where they had to withdraw the game. Why aren't owners or even stadium owners held accountable when the field condition sucks? I don't know. And, and, you know, we've seen some shit with that, too. And especially we've seen players get hurt because of the field conditions. Um, you know, I don't know. And maybe they are to some extent. It's just something that's not talked about or we don't know about. That's something I have to do some research on. But, I mean, I think of it, I don't care about what a field looks like. I care about how playable it is. You know, if you've got a field that's got fucking divots and rocks and shit in it, then, you know, football should not be played there at that point. You know, if, it's, if players are going to get hurt 
and you know risk their careers to play on a field, then they shouldn't be playing there. Um, but you know, I, I just don't think that it's one of those things that happens enough for them to make it a giant issue. Well, you got to think, man. The Redskins—they always have had a bad-looking field, and yes. it just feels like they paint their field green and they don't do anything with it. It's just—I think it should be a situation where the NFL gets involved and starts fighting these motherfuckers. If I see huge patches of just nothing but mud and holes and shit like that, there needs to be some sort of discipline from the NFL onto that team and get them to fucking fix that shit. Um. Remember the brand new stadium, Levi Stadium, when uh, Justin Tucker was out there playing against the 49ers and he sunk into the ground. Mm -hmm. I actually talked to Justin Tucker um, that the next year, him and I talked about that. I said, uh, what was it like? And he's like, that was one of the worst fields I had ever been on. It was a brand new stadium. I, I remember seeing some games where the field is such a mud pit that the ball just sticks in the mud when they do a kickoff. Like somebody will call for the fair catch and it just, the ball just plops in the mud, doesn't even roll. Yeah. And there's, there's, I understand mud's going to happen, but there needs to be grass on the field at the very least. Absolutely. And get some, uh, I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm thinking too hard about that. No, I mean, I think it's a very valid point. Yeah, these uh, it, 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 there just needs to be accountability as far as that's concerned, because a lot of people are hurting themselves. I mean, uh, if you're not able to get traction with your cleats, then you're going to twist an ankle. You're going to tear an ACL. Um, shit, I remember one guy out in uh, St. Louis. I can't remember who exactly it was. It was a running back sued the uh, stadium for not uh, having a uh, good enough field because it was basically just artificial cement. And uh, he won. He won like $12 million off of him. I have to research that later and get that name to you guys. But uh, it was uh, your lives are at stake if you don't have a good looking field. True. Not even just good looking, but good quality. Uh, Hey, moving on. Um, last topic I got to talk about, man. Speaking of shitty fields and the Washington Redskins, they got a uh, situation going on down there. They got a, a three-way battle going on for uh, quarterbacks between Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, and Dwayne Haskins. So uh, Colt McCoy has the longevity on the team. He's been there for quite a few years. He's been there since uh, RG3 was on the team. Case Keenum is the highest paid quarterback on that team. Dwayne Haskins uh, probably should have gone number six to the Giants. I think fucking Daniel Jones, but um, he got drafted by the Redskins. By the way, I just want to mention everybody. The Giants selected Daniel Jones at number six. Just a reminder. (laughs) So at this point, uh, Coach Gruden has stated uh, the decision is going to be a collaborative decision between himself, the team president, Bruce Allen, and the team owner, Dan Snyder. So it's going to be a pretty shitty decision since Dan Snyder's involved. So who do you think is likely to win this competition and why? Um, my guess would be this. Um, I think Colt McCoy is the odd man out. Um, I think that, you know, they, they just paid Case Keenum. Case Keenum is going to start. And I think that Haskins is going to be the person battling him for that number two position. Um but I think that ultimately, uh, eventually, at some point, Haskins is going to take that team over. I couldn't agree more. I think uh, Colton, even though he has the longevity with the team and he knows the offense, 
unless he's able to really impress in training camp and he's able to pull off like a Russell Wilson style story, he's not going to see the field. He'll be number three on the depth chart and it'll be a competition between Case and Dwayne. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that Cole McCoy is just not even going to be on the team. I think that he's going to eventually wind up getting cut. He might back somebody up somewhere, but in all reality, the guy has never had an NFL career. Um, you know, we saw that situation with when he was with the Browns. Do you remember this? Oh, the concussion one? Where he got a concussion and they put him back in the game. Yeah, and then did you see him in the uh, post-conference? Yeah, and he couldn't see and didn't know where he was. You know, I, I think that that ended his career. I think the only reason that he's still in the NFL at all is because his father was suing everybody after that happened. And, you know, rightfully so. I mean, if if I were a father and that were my son, I would be absolutely livid because they almost killed his kid. You know, um, but I I just I, I don't think he's a guy with a future in the NFL for anything. He's a career number three. I don't even really feel that he's a quality number two. <laughs> number two. <laughs> but um yeah, Cole McCoy, I think he really got the shaft in uh Cleveland and that really just startled him because he wasn't bad in college. So No, he was not. I think he just went to the factory of sadness and his morale and his psyche just took a huge hit from there. Yeah, I mean that was I mean, dude, that that injury that he sustained was bad. It was really bad. That's enough to ruin anybody's career. I mean, you come in and you, you, you're forced to do a press conference after taking a shot to the head that literally made you to the point where you didn't know your own name and you're trotted back out on the field and then sent in front of a bunch of reporters. I mean, the way I view it is the kid could have died and you, you, there's no way that a human being could ever be the same after that. So couldn't agree more, man. And, uh, do you a little bit of trivia? Do you remember who uh, replaced him? Who uh, Cole McCoy got cut for? Uh, Cleveland Browns. No oh, man, it had to have been somebody terrible. Well, obviously, it's Cleveland Browns. Um, what year was it? It was 2012 when he started. It wasn't Hoyer, was it? No. Who the fuck was it? Who wasn't? It was Brandon Whedon. Oh, Christ. Old man Whedon. Yeah, wasn't he drafted at like 52 years old? Something like that. I mean, they just took a shot. Who the fuck was the general manager back then? What? Uh. You know what's fucked up, though, man? If I recall, Whedon actually looked good a few times with them. I don't. I didn't say, I didn't say he was good. I said he looked good a couple times with them. I just remember in his rookie season when uh, I think it was Monday night football or maybe Sunday night where uh, we were facing them here and uh, they just they got chance after chance, literally zero seconds left on the clock because we kept fucking doing penalties and Brandon, we could not put it in the end zone to take over the game. It was it was hilarious watching that game. Well, it's Brandon Wheaton for you. Yep. Where's he now? Is he even in the league anymore? He was backing up in Dallas for a while, but I don't I know that anymore. Who's better, Brandon Whedon or Colt McCoy? Colt McCoy, in my opinion. I don't know. I'll kind of take a push on that one. Who's younger? Well, that's a pretty easy answer there. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. So, um, all right. Gun to your head, man. 
Who's, who's starting in the Redskins organization? Uh, Keenum. I think if it's close, they're going to lean on Dwayne. But um, if it's not close and Dwayne still got some miles to go, I think they're going to definitely go with Keenum. And at some point during the season, when they're uh, 0-14, they'll trot Daniel, uh, not Daniel, uh, Dwayne Haskins out there. Yeah, I, I think that we might see him, uh, depending on how the Redskins look as a team. I mean, I, I don't really have high hopes for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you never know, man, in that division. You know, at, at any given time, one of those teams could get good. But I, there's nothing that's been done in the offseason to shake them up that makes me think that they're going to be very good. Um, I, I don't know what they really have as far as receivers go. Uh, their running game could be very good. Uh, we can't sleep on that. Um the running game could be very good. Uh, they have what? Uh, you know, Darius guys coming this year. Yeah, he was out last year with an injury, and they still have Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and AP put on a show last year too. Yeah, and question is, is he willing to be a part of a rotation? Because you know how fragile his ego is. Back when he was with the Saints, he was getting pissy that he wasn't getting touches. Yeah, but I, I think the Saints were literally not giving him anything. I think that he wasn't getting the ball at all, and I think that that's what. I, I don't think that the Redskins ever intended for him to be the number one. Uh, they they only brought him in because of the fact that uh, Derek nice. got injured. Yeah. I think they brought him in with the, the intention of competing for the number one at that point, at least for the season. But I think Darius Geis is going to step in and is going to uh, be their elusive back for the next couple years. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely good. He's, he, I think he's a good back. He's strong run, and I think he's going to present some good things to the Washington Redskins. Um, I don't think, I still don't think it's enough to put them in the discussion of a good team. I, I don't, I don't foresee the Washington Redskins even competing for the wild card next year. But I mean, I could see them being like a six or eight win team as long as their health is good. I mean, everybody keeps talking about how the name is offensive and whatnot. The only thing offensive about them is their play. I just like to say that the name is offensive because I can't stamp them. So anything I get is ammunition against them, I weaponize it. <laughs> right on. I, we, man, growing up, we had the Redskins forced down our throats. Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. And, and you know, like, I watched every team I could that wasn't the Washington Redskins. Yeah, me too. That's why I was a Green Bay follower up until we got the Ravens. I watched Green Bay. I watched San Francisco a lot. I mean, you know, we always got, you know, I'm little older than you but you know when i was younger we always got different weird games on tv here you know we didn't we would get the big name games you know we would get to see joe montana a lot we would get to see dan marino which was cool you know i dig that um or the redskins that was like it you know and and you know when i when i don't have a team of my own and i have to choose between the washington redskins and watching dan marino play i'm i'm taking the dolphins every time Fuck yeah, Dan Marino. I mean, do, do you know the story behind when Dan Marino was put in the Hall of Fame? No. So what they do in the Hall of Fame every year is they have um, a, the group of people that actually vote on the Hall of Fame. They come up and they uh, give a presentation and say, hi, I'm nominating this person for the Hall of Fame for these reasons. And then they go over the reasons that they need to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Somebody actually uh, brought Dan Marino as a nomination. He stood up and said, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Marino, and then he sat back down. 
And Rightfully so. Brett Favre got a very similar uh, push on that. Yeah, and rightfully so as well. Yeah. Both are well-deserving uh, quarterbacks to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, unlike, I don't know if you've heard this story recently, but Donovan McNabb believes that he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. <sighs> I'm not making this up. Okay, so... I think an argument could be made about maybe why one day when they run out of people, he might be able to go in there. <laughs> but... I, I don't really. What is he basing this shit on? I mean, like he he's not one shit. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to think about it. Man. Yeah, he did. He had some good seasons. I'm not gonna take that from him. But he's not a Hall of Fame caliber. He made it to a Super Bowl, puked in it, and then he never made it back. Yeah, he's not one anything. So, but then again, you know, like I, I. I don't, I'm not the type of person to believe that you need a Super Bowl ring to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Look at Dan Marino. Yeah, well, clearly. But, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it should set you apart at all. I mean, you could be great and never have a Super Bowl ring. So. Jim Kelly. Yep. Oh, that poor son of a bitch. That, that's torture. I, I wouldn't want to be him. Ugh. I was a baby when that happened. Yeah, I remember. I remember it well. And you got to think about this. The teams that defeated them, all NFC East. It's just like the NFC East is their kryptonite. Yeah, well, I don't know. I remember it because of uh, the Redskins. Oh, yeah, Doug Williams. Yep. God. And, you know, he's, like, general manager of the team now. Yeah, and you know what's funny? When, when they played the Redskins, I remember, like, everybody in Maryland was a Bills fan, and I don't remember why exactly. Like, I, I my brain wasn't there yet, but I just remember everybody rooting for the Bills in our area, mm-hmm. which is weird because it was, like, Redskins town, but I think it was just because everybody thought the Bills were going to win, and it was just clearly not in the cards for them. I thought the best part of that team was Thurman Thomas, to be honest with you. That was a hell of a Burzin running back. Yeah. You know, the Bills have always churned out good running backs. Yeah. I mean, we, shit, we've seen quite a few over the years from them. I mean, a little Marshawn Lynch got churned out from there. Um, CJ McGahee. McGahee, yeah. Fred Jackson. Fred Jackson, yeah, he ended up having a good career. He was always a second stringer, but he had a, he was good for like 10 yards every other down. Oh, man. Fuck, dude. O.J. Simpson. He was killer. <laughs> I see what I did there. How long have you been sitting on that one? Uh, not long, but I have been drinking. So I've been drinking through this entire podcast. Very good. Very good. I typically do, too, but I'm my screwdriver's across the room. So, um, yeah, um, didn't. Yeah. I, yeah, we did. We did get one from them. We got the um, McGahee. Yeah, McGahee came from Buffalo. Yeah, we got him in Baltimore for a while. And um, he actually lived in Reisterstown for a while. He lives in Columbia now. Very good. Good for him. He may he may have moved. He may have moved as of recently, but he was still staying in Maryland. He was doing a lot of stuff with actually the middle school that I went to. Um, I was constantly reading about him doing a lot of events and stuff with them. Speaking of Buffalo, do you know Lee Evans still lives here? Really? Yeah, and you know, in his fucking uh, staircase, he has a picture of him dropping the ball. Haunting. What? He does. 
he did an interview a couple years ago and he has that picture. Why? I, it's, he claims it's like motivation or something like that. It ended his career. Yeah. He literally never got it. I feel bad for him because he never got another chance. He was actually a decent wide receiver. He had one. He was. He didn't get a fair shake out of that one. Him and Cundiff both got dropped after that. And they swore they were going to keep him, too. Uh, we, uh, you should read the article about uh, when the Ravens found Justin Tucker. You knew day one that they were going to be getting rid of him, but it was really interesting because all of the coaching staff, except for uh, Jerry Rosberg and John Harbaugh, all the rest of the coaching staff wanted to keep Cundiff. Yeah. Um, I remember my interview segment with uh, Justin Tucker. I was asking him some questions, and uh, he had told me that he was called. He was undrafted, obviously. He was called by three teams. He was called by the Bears. He was called by the Cowboys, and he was called by us. And he picked us because he watched the AFC Championship game, and he said, you know, I think I got a good chance. Well, you know, you know what's really interesting in that article, even more so, he – so. It was actually a very good article. They they went they purposely went at like zero hour, like the last hour they were allowed to go before the draft to work him out because they didn't want anybody else to see what they were doing as far as looking for kickers. They didn't want other teams to try to snag a good kicker from them, and they were prepared to draft him uh, in the draft, but they didn't do it because they got the impression nobody else was going to in the sixth round. So what they ended up doing is they said that literally when they got off the fo- when the second the last draft pick was made, they were already on the phone with him. And um, basically what they said is that they they brought him in and he was terrible. And they said that they just had this feeling that, like, you know, he is, if he could work on some of his mechanics, that he would be really good. Well, so they signed him to bring him in on a small deal to come into camp as camp competition for Cundiff. And they failed his physical. They failed him on his physical um, over an issue with his back. So in that time period, apparently what had happened is his agent told him, called him directly after that New England game and told him, was like, Baltimore is going to be your team. We need to get you to go to the Ravens. That's your, your best shot. Well, he fails this physical and apparently it like rip shit pissed off Harbaugh. So immediately the first team to reach out to him was uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh reached out to him and then Chicago reached out to him. Um, he didn't go to either one, but he or he didn't go to Pittsburgh, but he had went and worked out with uh, Chicago. And Chicago said that they wanted to make him a punter. And they did not want to make him a uh, they did not want to make him a kicker. They just wanted him as a punter. And uh, so he said no, and you know, he said, clearly said no, and but all he wanted was to be with the Ravens, so he was holding out. When Pittsburgh had contacted him, he said, No, I think I got something else going on and he waited and rejected all the other teams while he was waiting in that interim to take another physical and pass it. See, he tells the story that it was Dallas and not Pittsburgh. No, he said Dallas Dallas contacted him directly after the draft before he came into Baltimore. He said that uh, Dallas contacted him and Chicago contacted him right then and there. Maybe that's when he went and worked out for them too. But he had already worked out for Baltimore in Texas before the draft. Yep. And, uh, History was made from there. Best kicker all the time. Yeah, I, I remember we had just paid Cundiff too. Like you get a fifteen million dollar deal over five years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, where is he now? Uh, doing radios and uh, motivational talking and um, 
How could he even do motivational talking? What's motivating about missing kicks? Because, man, he, he's, he's had a low in his life. He went to commit suicide, but when he was hanging himself, he couldn't kick the chair from underneath of him. <laughs> so he's oh, got man. a rebound story, man. He's, he's good now. Tried to shoot himself, and the bullet went wide right. Yep. Poor fucker. That just fucked with his psyche. And the thing is, he was always associated with scab uh, kickers. Just people like Shane Graham that you pick up when your kicker's injured. You know, how many times do we have Shane Graham on the roster? Well, what's interesting, though, is Condit was automatic before that. And, you know, a big, big part of me blames that whole situation on John Harbaugh. They should have called a timeout. They did not call a timeout. You know, he had to rush through his progressions. He was on the field, rushed back off the field, and rushed back on the field with a play clock at, like, nothing. He couldn't go through his progression and then had to make a fucking kick. They should have called a timeout. And I'm not saying I love you, Billy Condiff, because fuck you, Billy Condiff, but a lot of that blame needs to be placed on John Harbaugh, and I know for a fact that a lot of the players feel that way, too, that were on that team. And the rumor and innuendo is that the uh, the New England scoreboard actually showed it was a down fewer. They did, and uh, but that's what caused that's what caused the confusion. Is they did that and they said, "Oh no, shit! It's third down." They ran the offense back out on the field, and then pulled the offense back off and ran the uh, special teams back out again, but still did not call a timeout, and the play clock was you know basically gone at that point. I mean, shit, Condor should have let the play clock ran out and backed up at that point. It is that bad. What's that? Yeah, five yards. That wouldn't have been too much. No, and if it's that bad of a situation and you're being put into such a bad situation as a kicker, just let the fucking play clock run out. He always looked like he was ready to cry whenever he came on the field. He looked like a little boy. <laughs> Who's the kicker now? It looks like an eight-year-old. Is that the Steelers kicker? I don't know. I don't really pay attention to kickers in the NFL anymore ever since we got rid of Cundiff. Yeah. It's rough, man. We've been pretty blessed as far as kickers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we had... uh, It was great when we had Stover for all of those years. I mean, he won us a Super Bowl. Yep. And he went on to win another one with the Colts. Yep. Even Hauschka wasn't bad up until his final year here. Well, he was only here for a se- two seasons. Um, you know, we had him his rookie year, and we were do- ha- giving him the longer kicks because uh, I don't know if you recall, Cumbuff or um, Stover could make his range had diminished quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they, you know, he went to the Colts, and we kept Hauska. And uh, you know, I remember he missed that kick in Minnesota with uh, when Bob was with the Vikings that. Was very very upsetting. You know, I heard. Um, have you heard that Chicago's got an open competition right now, uh, kicker? They should. They have five people on the roster right now for kickers. Do you hear that they called Justin Tucker and thought that he was only a punter? <laughs> no, I hadn't heard that before. No, it's the, the curse. The curse of the punter. I'm it's like the Tucker curse, like the curse of the goat for the Cubs. <laughs> so, um. Dead ass serious. They they got five people in there right now, and Pat McAfee was actually talking about coming out of retirement to try to go for that position. That would be ridiculous. I love Pat McAfee, but goddamn it, dude, you you, you have a better podcast than you to do a career. 
Hey, fuck it, man. I mean, if you can go make a couple million dollars by missing a bunch of kicks in Chicago, you might as well. Yeah. He was fucking hilarious at the draft. Yeah, he's great all the time. Yeah, he's just one of those guys that's just funny without even trying. For sure. Well, man, I got nothing else going on here in the NFL right now. Um, Like I said, we had to reach for some of these topics, but uh, we'll try again next week and see what's going on. Hopefully uh, somebody gets murdered or something like that, and we have something to talk about. Some DUIs or uh, domestic abuse. Yep. So hopefully something happens and we can talk about it and uh, or shame those guys. But uh, until then, uh, Chad, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, buddy, anytime. And Fafters, I'll uh, I'll hit you up next week. Thank you very much for listening.